Welcome to the Spooky Tales podcast presented by me, John. And me, Louise. We have been fascinated by spooky goings-on since we can remember and wanted to share with you the stories that pique our interest. Today's story is of hauntings, possession, poltergeist, psychological manipulation and an unexpected twist. It's part two of the spooky tale of the Black Monk of Pontefract. Previously on Spooky Tales. The Black Monk has a reputation of being the most violent poltergeist in the world. Oh dear! She never seemed to settle at 30 East Drive. The doctor would not make a house call. There were so many odd things. Oh, that's creepy. Barbara would never go into the coal house. Only this time she found baby Jane with a pillow over her face. Oh my word! What did she do? So, Bill and Barbara move out and Jean Pritchard and her family move in. Then, the kitchen cupboard started shaking and vibrating. Why? What was it? Oh my goodness, that must have been so disconcerting. What? Oh my goodness, what did they do? Slashed from end to end. Oh my words. Oh, what did he say to that? No, you can stay there. Yep, and you know what? What? I'm sorry, I don't understand. Welcome to the Spooky Tales podcast. Thank you for all your lovely comments, your patience in waiting for part two, to the fantastic new followers on Instagram, with shout outs to Wendy, Professor Salem, who, between her and her son, have some excellent theories to explain the spookiness on 30 East Drive. At the end of part one, we left the Pritchard family shaken by the ghostly goings-on and with their Aunt Maud refusing to stay another night, declaring that they had the devil in the house after the ghost had had its fun with her fur gloves. (laughs) Most excellent. (laughs) They were floating in the air and conducting Aunt Maud when she sang Onward Christian Soldiers to ward off the evil she felt from the ghost because it made the gloves into a fist, shaking them in her direction. Yes, that's right. The ghost continued its playfulness not long after Aunt Maud left. As the Pritchards were sitting in the lounge one evening, an egg floated in through the door and hovered in the middle of the lounge before dropping to the floor, exploding as it did so, and with an amazing scent, Mrs Pritchard likened to a garden of fresh flowers. Oh, how lovely, if a little weird, and a tad messy. It then produced another egg. It's starting to sound like an invisible magician. Which, once again, floated into the lounge. Or a chicken. (laughs) Magician or chicken. ghostly chicken. chicken. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would be quite scary, though, wouldn't <laughs> Absolutely. it? Absolutely. So Mrs. Pritchard leapt up and emptied the fridge of all eggs which she put into a box and sat on it, feeling like she had won this round. And was a chicken. <laughs> Only another egg materialised, hovered, dropped and exploded as another scent bomb. Mrs. Pritchard got up and checked the number of eggs in the box in which she was sitting on. One was missing. 
That's amazing. The ghost kept doing it until the box was empty. Mrs. Pritchard, all the time, sat on the box. So it was just materialising the eggs out of the box and into the room. He's really teasing them in a very messy way. Yes, and it continued with the messy theme by emptying the sugar and tea packets and mixing them together. Another time when Mrs. Pritchard got up early one morning, having been kept awake by some restless banging. That sounds wrong, doesn't it? <laughs> Relentless banging is actually We've <laughs> all had that. Yes. <laughs> you might want to change that now. <laughs> Another time when Mrs. Pritchard got up early one morning, having been kept awake by some relentless banging. That still sounds wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Another time, when Mrs. Pritchard got up early one morning, having been kept awake by some relentless thumping, she discovered that the door handles had been smeared with a mixture of jam, marmalade and mustard. Oh, what a mess! So would you have gone back to bed and dealt with it in the morning, or got some wipes and started cleaning it up? Yeah, started cleaning it up, of course. Straight away, I would not have left it. Well, you and Mrs. Pritchard are of one mind on that one as that's just what she did, but with a bucket and cloth. Are you and Mr Pritchard of one mind? Yes, on this occasion, he was. He and I are definitely in the go back to bed and deal with it in the morning camp. Oh no. The ghost really seemed to revel in making all the mess. Mrs Pritchard was obviously very house proud. Well, not house proud, clean, is what I'm thinking. <laughs> Are you thinking house proud? I'm thinking clean. Just naturally tidy. Well, it, was, it wouldn't have gone anywhere, would it? No, but that's, no, it's a lot easier to clean it up there and then. Anyway, this is a conversation we don't need to have with everybody listening. She must have been at the end of her tether, constantly having to deal with all the banging and this sort of low-level but highly irritating disruption. Yes, Vic Kelly. Remember him? He was the husband of Mrs Kelly, the daughter of Mrs Scholes, who was the grandmother, yeah? Yes, that's right. You'll remember, Vic, you'll remember, was determined to get to the bottom of things when the wardrobe started tipping and swaying, so called the police, and then woke up the local ghost specialist late at night. Oh yeah, so what was Vic's thoughts on this occasion? To hold an exorcism. Wasn't that Philip's idea? And anyway, the priest wasn't much use and told them that they should move. Yes, that's right. Vic, though, was a Catholic and so went to his priest, who was much more up for it. So, can you get. So, well, the first priest wasn't a priest, he was a, a vicar. Yes. A C of E vicar. Yes, that's Church right. Church of England, sorry. Mm-hmm. Right. So, do they do exorcisms? I would never imagine that they would do exorcisms. What, the uh, Church of England priests? Yes, because I would have thought, because I guess I've always just thought it was Catholic. I think that's probably because of the, all the films I've watched. What, The Exorcist? Yes. <laughs> well, I, ah, yes, but I read the book first. Oh, okay, yes. You're yeah. one of those, well, if you have Oh, you're you one know. of those? <laughs> yeah. What are you trying to say? <laughs> I'm trying to say. Well, it's a bit like you know, those bands that you like, and uh, they become really popular, and you're slightly miffed, because, you know, you were kind of like, well, I, I liked them when they weren't popular. Well, no, I... I read the book not realising it was a film. Oh, okay. Because I'm that more immersed into books than the films. Yeah. That I was just like, oh, great film. And, and actually, a great book. And actually, it is a really terrifying book. In fact, I think he's way more scary than the film. In that case, you've convinced me to read the book. Oh, no, it is just really... It's such a long time since I've seen the film that it's, it'll properly scare me again. Oh, no, it's proper scary. The book is proper yeah. scary. Because I think 
you, you're having to you, it's your own imagination fighting against you rather yeah, than in the film yes, it's, it's telling you what you've you. got to be scared about in the yes. book your whole imagination goes, oh good well there's a, there's a good recommendation yeah I think. no it's very good yes okay so yeah well he was a catholic so he went to his priest who was much more up for it except that he would have to approach his bishop for permission the priest had a better idea Vic could do it himself I'm not sure that's a good idea well a bottle of holy water, say a few prayers, anyone can have a go, why not? I thought it was a very, 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 very specialised thing that you didn't try at home. Only very trained, highly trained priests within the church are allowed to do so. That is correct. From major exorcism, the Rituali Romanum. Oh, say that again. The Rituali Romanum. Which I said a bit better that time. <laughs> but in the Catholic Church, at any rate, prayers of deliverance can be said by anyone, so no special training needed. Really? Yes. I did not know that. That's right, yes. So, there is a bit of controversy over this, or is it controversy? It's contra- controversy, isn't it? Controversy? I would say controversy. I think there's controversy over where you say contro- con- controversy or controversy. Well, it depends whether you're right or wrong, and if you were right, you would say <laughs> controversy. <laughs> See, there is some controversy over this. There are deliverance ministries, not Catholics, but some of whom call themselves exorcists. Ministries or ministers? No, ministries. Not ministers? Well, there might be ministers within the ministry. Oh. Oh, I, yes, I but have no idea Catholic. about that. And they're not Catholic. No, um, but they wear a clerical collar. They use holy water, etc. But it's not very clear. And so I expect our Catholic priest was thinking a few prayers of deliverance said by Vic with a sprinkle of holy water could do no harm. Well, I'm fascinated by this, that there is such a thing that there are non-Catholics that are dressing like priests. I mean, if you saw one of those in the street, you'd think, well, there's a Catholic priest. You wouldn't kind of go, ah. Yes, well, it's a clerical collar. So, I mean, whether that would make them look like Catholics, I don't know. Well, no, it would look clerical. Well, if you're clerical, you're going to think they're part of a... A church? Yes. Yes. And they, they would say they are a deliverance ministry. Well, fancy. Never knew that. What did the Pritchards think? Did they go, nope? Well, Jean was ambivalent to say the least. She was sure the ghost would resent it and react. But you've got to love Vic. He really wanted to help and get it sorted. He'd even gone to the trouble of getting holy water. So she didn't have the heart to say no. How do you get holy water? Uh, it's on Amazon, I think. <laughs> I don't think they had Amazon then. No? No. Okay. Deliver- well, maybe, maybe, maybe the Catholic... Oh, no, of course this is 19... 19- <laughs> this is the early, early, late 1960s, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yes, no, no, they wouldn't have Amazon. Uh, today, of course, you probably could get it on Amazon. No. I might check, actually. No. <laughs> we don't want holy water. No. Well, the thing is, you, you, there's wrong. no way you'd know it was holy water, would you? No, maybe. you must have got it from the church. Or maybe just pray over some stuff. I, I mean, whether... If you went to the, uh, the, the priest... Yes. And if the, if the priest, my, my assumption is this, if the priest was saying, yeah, yeah, you can have a go, don't worry about it, he'd got the holy water from him. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. No, that's, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought. So what happened? I take it it didn't work. No. Vic went from room to room, spreading the holy water, saying the prayers, and then all was quiet. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until Mrs. Pritchard asked Vic how long they would need to wait until they knew if it had worked or not that there was then an almighty crash from upstairs to answer that question, followed by water dribbling down the walls in thin streaks. Oh, is that to show that it could handle the holy water? 
Did the ghost get revenge for the attempted exorcism of deliverance or whatever it's called? I it's don't know what it is now. Is it an exorcism or not? Is it? Well, it, well okay. Sort of delivery. A delivery Deliverance thing. type deliverance stuff. Thing. Yes, well, that certainly did. And it's centred on Diane. Who's Diane? Well, remember Diane the daughter. Diane the daughter. Thank you yeah, very much. It would have been about 14-ish by that stage. Right, okay. Puberty, hey? Yes, that's right. So there's lots of stuff about poltergeist and, um, and you know, uh, pubescent teenagers. Isn't it burgeoning sensuality of a pubescent teenager or someone over some? And it's normally said in that kind of slightly it is. unpleasant tone. Yes, that's right. The the uh, Enfield haunting. Um, yes, it's a Enfield similar Podcast. sort of thing. Yeah, because that sort of very much came and went and was classical poltergeist. Is it always girls? I don't know why I'm asking you this, but I am asking you this now, looking at you. Yeah. Is it always girls or boys? Because we've got a twelve-year-old, a nearly twelve-year-old upstairs. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so who's but, going? Who's going towards? Yeah, and, and no, it has been boys as well. But ch- the, the cases that you read about generally tend to be girls, right? Um, but yeah, I'm going to have to look out for the boys. I have I have read boys once before they, um, but I've none come to mind. No. Um, what's the other thing about poltergeist? Yes, the other thing about poltergeist is it's said that it happens around watercourses, and Thirty East Drive is on uh, a spring. The spring is, is sort of uh, underneath uh, the lounge. It's obviously what? capped now, but there's a there's a well. Oh, well, there's a well, yes. and there's a spring course around there. Also, someone told me um, that it is uh, often near limestone that really? these things happens, Ooh. which I thought was interesting. So I checked it out on a geological map where Pontefract is. Is it on limestone? And there are two sort of areas of which there are lots of limestone around Pontefract. I couldn't find on the map whether whether East Drive was one of those areas. But it's basically coal and limestone around that area. Wow, who knew? Do you remember, we had a house that had a, a mysterious well. In oh, the yes. garden. Well, oh, yes. it's just outside, yes. and we could never really work out exactly where the well was. No, that's right. Yeah, we couldn't, could we? No, because yeah. it came up on the um, on the survey, didn't that's it? That's right. And then, and of course, the lawyer sort of got, well, of course, in your well. We thought like, we wouldn't well, see what well, well, because well, well. we were expecting one like those pretty garden wells. <laughs> Just a sunken hole in the garden. <laughs> no, right. no, don't go near there. <laughs> yeah. 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 So anyway, so limestone and, um, and, and, and water watercourses, uh, which both of which uh, this area had, well, and, and in the house was actually a well underneath the uh, the lounge. Ooh, but obviously it had been capped. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise they've got a water feature, haven't they? <laughs> in the lounge, yes. <laughs> So it was centered on Diane, and although the nu- and can I just say that would have been why would anybody build a house over a well? Well, why not? Well, <laughs> <laughs> well once it's capped, well, why not to the side? It's, 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 well, it's not like the house is going to fall through it. Is it? It's quite. It's relatively small. Oh, it's not okay. house size. Oh, right. No, well, it's not like a sinkhole. Oh. Now they're horrible. Yeah, they are indeed. Yeah. So it's centred centered on Diane. Okay, going back to that. Again. Yeah. All through the night, there was ceaseless drumming and thumping. The bedclothes were ripped off several times and Diane was thrown out of bed on a number of occasions. In the morning, as Diane was getting ready for school, brushing her hair in the lounge, using the mirror above the mantelpiece, a drawer from, from a cabinet across the room slowly worked its way out and then shot across the room, hitting Diane in the small of the back. Oh dear. 
there was a brass crucifix with an image of the crucified Christ, which was in the centre of the mantelpiece. This flew across the room to where Diane stood, drawn to her as if she was a powerful magnet. Oh, it stuck to her back. Oh my gosh. And she could not get it off. Diane panicked, shrieking, Get it off! Get it off! Don't blame her. Her mother, Jean, was unable to budge the crucifix, no matter what she did. Jane was finally freed by the ghost. First, the image of the Christ fell to the floor, and then the crucifix. They must have all been nervous wrecks after this. I mean, that sounds horrific. It does. So that's just not your average normal thing, is no. it? And the sort of religious aspect to it as well. Yeah. Jean raised the back of Diane's blouse, where a red cross-shaped mark had been imprinted between her shoulder blades, which was there for at least three days before fading away. It's not happy with someone trying to force it out with an exorcism, is it? It has a very <clears throat> macabre sense of revenge using the crucifix. And why pick on Diane? Do you think it was to make Jean feel utterly helpless? You know, a, hum a horrible feeling for any parent. Because that's the worst, isn't it? If it actually goes for your child, it's easier if it went for you. Do you know, I think you're absolutely right. That would make so much sense. If it, I mean, if it was... That's going to get to Jean more than, as you say, if, if it went for you, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, because you can't... Your, I mean, your urge is going to be to want to protect your child. Yeah. You know, above and beyond. And if you, if there's nothing you can do. Ah, horrible. And also, using a crucifix, it was mocking them, wasn't it? Mocking their religious-based attack. What, the, the exorcism? Yes, that's yeah. right. And having crucifixes as, as a defence, it was kind of saying, ha, 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 you know. Yeah. Was there anything else like that? Do they do that kind of stuff? Well, yes. Uh, on Easter Sunday, Jean came downstairs to find all the doors had inverted golden crosses painted on them. And when she looked closer, there was no brushwork. It's as if it had been sprayed on. It was also extremely precise, as if a stencil had been used. Could it have been any of the children, rather than... Yeah, I, I, it's possible, but unlikely, because although they actually did have a can of golden spray paint in the shed, but when Jane actually tried to replicate it, uh, the door's glossy paint made the spray paint globulise. Best word ever. Yeah, I made that up, I think. Yes, I yes. think so. Um, do you go into globules? Yes. Yeah. No, globulise. Glob globulise. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it, was, it was not possible to reproduce the same finish. Without sanding the door first. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess you could. I suppose someone could have sandpapered the required area during the night and then used the spray paint. Or the ghost has amazing powers over a matter, as it does seem to do so in that area. True. Was that an end to the Christian-themed activities? Mind you, it was over that period, wasn't it? It was, Christ it was over Easter. It was over Easter. Yeah. So, well, it was um, for, for this... Yeah, it was for now. It concerned Jean that it may be demonic. Oh, don't blame her. I mean, it's got all the hallmarks, hasn't it? It has. So she called the local vicar. Now, he came round with another A clergyman. One. A different one? Uh, I think it must be, yeah, because yeah. the first one just did, never bothered turning God, up. Did a it? lot of religious persons, don't they? <laughs> That's true, yes. I struggle in this area, knowing all the... Yeah, well, I would, actually. Mm. Um, yeah, I haven't a clue. Yeah, would have been banging on the church door going, hello. Yeah. You don't know us. You don't know us, but come around, we've got a demon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've said like that, it's not surprising they didn't come back. Anyway... <laughs> um, <laughs> So anyway, so the local vicar came round with another clergyman and they looked at the doors and advised Jean to leave them be and then they would return after the Easter holidays. Oh, let me guess, the intrepid clergy never returned. That's right, they never did. God, that's a bit rubbish, isn't it? The clergy were a bit pants when it came to helping Jean, weren't they? They were very much kind of like, oh dear, 
Yeah, they certainly were. Whether they didn't take it seriously uh, as, as a thought, and mm. or thought perhaps she was just doing it herself or making it up, uh, because I think some of the people in the area thought, "Oh, they're just making it all up," and they're doing they're in it for the money kind because attention seeking. Yeah, because kind of indeed, because they had had some media co- uh, coverage by this stage, and um, and of course, do you think it's possible at all that it was made up? Well, it's not not really from all the research that I've done. And if you look, and as we'll go on to talk about some of the things that happen later, once the, you know the Pritchards aren't even there. So was and this was also a previous family. Uh, you remember in part one, yes, it was a, that's true. So that's a lot of people making it all up. And did anyone do any research actually while it was happening? Only one, and that was uh, Colin Wilson and his book Poltergeist, which these podcasts have been have heavily referenced. Right. So, uh, so yes, but so there was also the Doncaster Psychical Research Group who sniffed around in 1969. And there'd been plenty of research teams since the house was bought and known put up to stay in there, as, as I was just mentioning. So what did the, the, the Doncaster Cyclical Research Group? The DEPRG. Yes, yes. What did they think? Well, not a lot. Their conclusions were quite sceptical, as these groups often are. So, however, the activity had sort of died down and become quite infrequent by then. Really? Yeah, and it's... And it's Funny that um, the house is known as a feast and famine haunting house. Right. So quite a lot of groups stay there, pay their money at the moment, and experience nothing. And then one group will go in, and you know, it's like a fruit machine almost, um, oh. and then they'll just seem to get uh, a, a mad 24 or 48 oh, hours. Gosh. So, so there is that. And in fact, there was one person, I read an, an article in a magazine where uh, this chap, he'd been there, I think about eight times previously, nothing had happened. God, he kept going back, and he didn't kept he? Going, and, the, and he kept, and the, the ninth time he came back, he was like, basically, this, this, this is, is it. it. Yeah. If there's nothing happens this time, the, the, what, the house is it's rubbish. Yeah, I'm breaking up with you. Yeah, that's Breaking right. up with the house. Yeah, this, this is rubbish, what yeah. they're saying. But he had a, quite an intense weekend, lots happened. Ooh. And so he was, he was converted and, and much happier. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. When did it start to become more infrequent? Then? Well, it was very much up to the, towards the build up of the, to the end, as it were. Was the the ghosts started to manifest? Oh, they actually started to see it. Yes. <laughs> so Jean and her husband Joe were the first to see it. They were in bed one night oh, uh. when the door. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, they were in bed. <laughs> nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Yes, uh, they were in bed one night when Sticker. the. <laughs> And the door opened, and they could oh. see a figure in the dim light. Well, could it have been Diane or the or the sun? Yeah, well, it could have been, but no, because the tall was the, the tall. <laughs> Not on this occasion, because the figure was very tall and had a hood over its head. <laughs> so unless they were both on stilts and were wearing <laughs> a cowl, which is unlikely. Uh, so as soon as they switched on the light, it vanished. Which, oh, dearie me. Which Diane and Philip would have been, have been quite a good trick for them to oh, do. Oh, the idea of that, though. A hooded figure at the end of the bed. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Again, I don't think I'd be there. Actually. I'll be using the, the power of the duvet, the magical <laughs> power of the duvet that we all, yes. in spooky times... Well, it disappears then, doesn't well, it? Well, it does, actually, because it has kind of amazing properties as a duvet, uh, doesn't it? Very yes. good at stopping all kinds of spookiness. Yes. Anyway, the next door neighbour, she saw it also. Well, she was looking in their in their bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> what was the next door neighbour? Well, this is taking a turn. Let me let me try that again. At, at another time, she the neighbour saw it also, right? Because she was washing up in her kitchen, 
Not in the Pritchard's kitchen. Bedroom, no. That's right. Oh, the Pritchard's kitchen. bedroom. Next door. Right. She was in her own kitchen. That's right, right. washing up. Yeah. And she had the feeling uh, and a sense that someone was watching her. Right. So she turned around expecting to see her nephew. And there, in front of her, was a tall figure dressed in a black monk's habit. Oh. Its head covered by a cowl oh. so that she couldn't see the face. Oh, my gosh. She stood there staring at the black monk and as soon as it appeared, it vanished before her very eyes. Oh, my gosh. What did she do after that? Well, amazingly, she said she did not feel afraid, just curiosity. Really? Yes. Well, I certainly wouldn't be feeling... Well, I don't know. Obviously, it's never happened to me, so I don't know. But I can't imagine I'd be feeling, oh, that's interesting. I, well, you'd be shocked, wouldn't you? You wouldn't yeah. necessarily feel afraid. It would just be shock, wouldn't it? Because it's unexpected. You'd be like, whoa. Yes. Well, um, yeah, I think then I'd, when it's sunk in, I'd be then going, whoa. Yeah, well, maybe it doesn't have a scary aura. Because, it, it would, you know, kind of... Yeah. Her natural hackles didn't rise up or she didn't have a natural yeah. fear well, reaction. Although she knew someone was watching her. Yeah, but that's yeah. not necessarily a, a bad feeling, is it? You just think, yeah. oh, who's looking? Yeah, so I thought that was odd, uh, amazing that she just felt curious about it. Yeah. Anyway, so the monk scene was seeming to become more powerful. The noises at night became louder and more varied, the thumping and so on. What do you mean, more varied? Uh, well, uh, there was the, uh, not as well as the usual drumming and banging, it also produced other noises. Oh, like what? Well, like farmyard noises, farmyard noises, like uh, sheep bleating, uh, cows lowing and, and such like. Well, it couldn't just be noises from outside? No, there's no farm nearby and the people don't generally work, sort of generally walk by with their cows and sheep, no. Well, okay. That's a bit weird though, isn't it? It is very odd. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and at one time, uh, Jean and Joe thought that they were, thought there was actually a cow in their bedroom. Oh my word. Uh, so more sinister was the heavy laboured breathing outside the door one night. Oh dear. Uh, they didn't get up to investigate that. No, one. The no. power of the duvet. Power well, of the duvet well, it was, was the counterpane. The power of the counterpane. That's right, yes. Yes. Didn't have a duvet, I invoke the power of the duvet. I, that's what you should actually say. You should yeah. actually be able to say that. And invoke the power of the counterpane. Yes, absolutely. To hide underneath it, and you know you're safe. Yeah, it's a good technique. So there are other. There are two other instances which showed the ghost's malice. And the husband, Joe Pritchard, had been quite sceptical about it at first. He was very much your stereotypical, no-nonsense, working-class Yorkshireman. He finally accepted that this was more than just overactive imaginations, though, because one day. Joe went into the coal house, which was a cupboard next to the downstairs loo. We don't know exactly what happened when Joe went into the coal house that day. Those he confided in said he was attacked by a malevolent force or entity. What people did know about his experience in the coal house was that Joe Pritchard was a changed man after it. It was as if the experience had broken his spirit. Crikey, poor man! So is that the one room you wouldn't go in if you stayed in that house? Yes, that's right. Too many people have been in there and have either been scratched or altered in some way. Altered? What do you mean? Well, there's Joe. Then there was a burly sound man from the filming. Uh, he was also quite a sort of rough and... Tough. Rough and tough, yes. Rough, tough, no-nonsense yeah, person. Yeah, that's exactly that. And he was dared to go into the coal house. He did so. He also came out a changed man. He was quiet and subdued, nervous and afraid, no longer the confident man he once was. Then 
There have been people who have come out of the coal house in pain, as if their skin was on fire, to find that large scratches had been left on their leg. Oh, Lord, it does really sound like the room to avoid. Absolutely. One of the more shocking things that the ghost did, again, had Diane at the centre. Jean was in the kitchen when the lights went out. This was a, a usual occurrence with the ghost, so much so that they had torches to compensate. Jean was groping for the torch when suddenly there was a screaming coming from the hallway. It was Diane. She rushed to the hallway to see a figure and Diane being dragged up the stairs, her oh, cardigan out in front of her no, as if it was being tugged no. and the other hand at her throat. Ooh. Philip and Jean rushed up the stairs to try to grab the terrified Diane and were sent tumbling back down the stairs with Diane. Oh my God, that's so awful. Can you imagine seeing your child being dragged up the stairs and no, no one there, just them being dragged. It's unbelievable. You can't, and up the stairs as and well. And up the stairs. Yeah. So apart from the finger marks on her throat, oh, she was actually okay. Shaken, obviously. Yeah. The monk was seen once more by the Pritchards when Philip thought he saw a shadow behind the frosted glass to the kitchen. Diane also saw the shadowy figure. Philip got up from watching TV and went to see who it was. Philip opened the door and saw a tall figure in a monk's cloak vanish before his eyes. The Pritchards never saw the monk again and the disturbances died down. Things almost becoming normal. Well, thank goodness for them. You really feel for them. I mean, a heck of an ordeal. I'm shattered just listening to all Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And Jean Pritchard, she stayed there the entire time. So it didn't go away completely um, because um, when the house was uh, bought by Bill Bungay, all the doors had locks on and Jean Pritchard basically had lived, lived in the kitchen uh, for most of the time. What, Joe didn't live there with her, her husband? Oh, he died in, a, in the late 90s. Uh, so um, so the pair of them stayed there? Yeah, they, going back to what they said, you know, no, no ghost is taking our house, what, what we said in part one. And what about Diane and Philip? Did they, uh, were yeah. they fine with it? Did they kind of say, yeah, no, it's fine? Yeah, they, they fine. you know, did, did the usual things children do, they leave home and leave normal lives. But really? And then that was it? They didn't... Wow! So how, how did it actually become known about? It, it was known at the time? It was known by, at the time through a, a few um, uh, uh, articles in the local paper and such like. But mainly it was Colin Wilson's book in the early 70s that, um, that really... Uh, called Poltergeist, the book. The, the book's about several cold poltergeist cases, uh, of which this is one. And um, from, from that it became, it became more notorious. And they just stay there, but they they locked the doors, did they? They all well. Um, Jean did. She had locks on all the doors, so and uh, she very much kept herself to herself in one room. Ugh. Oh, why stay there? But I suppose it's your home, isn't it? But at the same time, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, indeed. Oh, okay. So you from remember from part one, Bill Bungay was a film producer who had made a film about the experiences of the Pritchard's film in, called When the Lights Went Out, and he was able to buy the actual house, Thirty East drive and used it initially for promotional purposes, holding the premiere in the house for two lucky, inverted commas, competition winners. He then decided to keep the house and rent it out on a nightly basis, kind of like a spooky Airbnb. Well, people do that though, don't they? They do kind of, they do B&Bs or Airbnbs in kind of haunted locations for people to go and stay at, don't they? That's kind of... Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, you know, so that isn't that weird? No. I, yeah. Yeah, I suppose 
No, it isn't weird at all, actually. No, because there is this kind of kind of ghost tourism, isn't there? That Very you much go so, and, yeah. You know, go and stay in these places because it's spooky. Yes. Yeah, well, this this one certainly seems to have a good pedigree. Yeah, uh, and it uh, it pres- proved very very popular with ghost hunters and uh, and researchers, including the famous ghost hunting programs Most Haunted and Paranormal Lockdown. Really? So have similar sorts of things happened to the, to groups that have stayed at the house? I mean, have there have there been reports from people? Well, absolutely. Well, well, let's focus on Bill Bungay first, who bought the house. He was not a believer. He had no interest in the paranormal above thinking it being a great subject to make some money from a film. The house was bought as a marketing tool. He was not looking to research the paranormal and was not convinced by all the stories of people's experiences. However, several odd things kept happening, which he at first put down to coincidence or believing that there is some form of Normal, there was some form of normal explanation. Well, you should always look for the normal explanation first, shouldn't you? Well, you should, but yeah. I don't. No, no. no you I don't. go straight for the fantastical. <laughs> On one occasion, however, he was about to finish up for the day with two helpers after the film crew had left. Bill tidied up the front yard and closed the double-wrought iron gate, making sure it was closed with the latch down, and then, for double measure, he put a, a quite a large concrete block against the gates. Ooh, very careful. Yeah. So the only way to open the gates was by moving the concrete lump and unlatching the gate, or by giving the gate an almighty shove, and it really would have to be an almighty shove. Right. It was quite a sizable block. Yeah. So Bill turned towards the house to gather his helpers, who were only too pleased to be leaving the house. They were a bit spooked by being in the house. Yes. Bill turned back towards the gate and he was shocked to find that the gates were wide open. Oh, a bit like his mouth, I should suspect. <laughs> so this converted him into a believer that 30 East Street was haunted then? Yes, and it strengthened as he experienced other events and he heard the stories of friends and guests who stayed at the house, as well as the sage next-door neighbour, Carol, who had lived there for many, many years. The black monk being no respecter of brick walls. Oh, so the, oh well, so he used to wander into her house too. Yeah, well, she became quite a a, um, a sort of friend and ally, and, and often just sort of helped look out over the house and the sort of various parties who were staying there. All oh, right. So you you mentioned there were two lucky competition winners who stayed at the house and watched the film. Well, they didn't watch the film in the house, did they? They did. <gasps> really? Yes, that was the competition. What you go to the house and watch the, the spooky film about the spooky house in the house that the of which the about the oh, film was about. That's giving me a shiver. No, no, no. <laughs> you couldn't do no, that. Then. No, absolutely not. Oh, God, that, doesn't that make you give me a shiver? Literally, got the shivers then. Yeah, I'm. Oh, oh, oh. That is pretty. Yeah, it's a pretty cool marketing tool. I think. Is that meta? Yeah. Is that? Am I using meta in the right way? I've no idea. No. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so it was. Um, Did I sound like a complete nana at that point? <laughs> <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> You're on your way, though. <laughs> so, yeah, the two competition winners, one who was very much in uh, the paranormal, uh, she liked the paranormal anyway, and the yeah. other was her friend. So they uh, they were joined by the competition organiser, who was a local radio impresario called Gordon. Uh, he was a dyed-in-the-wool sceptic, and all were very excited about staying the night in the house in which the film was based on. There were creaking and bangings, but nothing that you could put down to, you know, that it wouldn't be, well, like probably the central heating or, you know, strange house noises that you get when you've been in a, when you're in a new house. Yeah, so houses have to settle, don't they? Absolutely. And when you go to a new house, you sort of, there are lots of different noises. Yeah, you have to absolutely. Wear yeah, any, but one point, a penny 
fell onto the window and then onto the radiator and then rolled across the floor. Okay. One of the competition winners saw a dark mist cross the living room, followed by a six-foot shadow of a man that disappeared into the wall. What did Mr. Died-in-the-Wall skeptic say to that then? A sleep deprivation. Which is possible. Yes, that is very possible. They all decided to sleep in the living room as they were sufficiently spooked by now and no one really wanted to sleep in the bedrooms upstairs. But those rooms being the sort of where the most of the action takes place. Yes. So during the night, it was well past 2am when they decided to crash out, another of the guests who was lying on the floor in this fetal position said that she felt a finger trace a circle in the middle of her back. Ugh, no, I'm sorry, no, no. Ugh, I wouldn't like that. Yeah, that's right. Well, the same person... Even if it was somebody, you know, not a ghost, it was just somebody in the room, you'd be like, hello. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Did I give you that permission to do that? No. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, so the same person also had a, and I quote, kicking, screaming night terror that was no normal nightmare. So was that explained away as well then? Well, in the morning when they were all discussing the activities of the previous night, it was noted that all the activity had been seen or felt individually, not by the group as a whole. And just then, the TV turned itself off. So, uh, what? So, no. All the activity had been seen or felt individually, so then, so each person had had a, a, their own experience and not experienced by the rest of the group. Yes. Is that what you mean? So it yeah. wasn't when they were all together? Yes, so they may have been together, but the experiences were individual. Right, okay, okay, okay. And then the TV turned itself off. That's right. Oh. Just at the moment they said, well, of course, we haven't had a group thing. Oh, right. Which would, you know, would be more proof, more proof-worthy. Yes. Uh, and then suddenly the TV turns off. Now, you may think, well, so the TV yes. turns off. Someone just used the remote. Yes. And in fact, that's exactly what the sceptic uh, said. He assumed that it was a trick being played and asked who had the remote. It was on the mantelpiece behind him. He tried to, to, to turn the TV back on, but then discovered that it was turned off at the wall. Oh, did this convince the sceptic? It did. Oh, right. Now, you, may, you may sort of think, well, he's easily pushed. I was going to say. <laughs> I did think that actually. I thought he went from, oh, it's just all fake. Oh my God, I'm a believer. <laughs> yes. The changing of the mind of the arch skeptic helped Bill. It reassured him that he wasn't going crazy. There were several requests from locals to look inside the house, hold a charity event and such like. My favourite was a neighbour from down the road who complained that the ghost would run along the back gardens behind the houses and would he keep a tighter rein on the ghost? You mean like a naughty cat? Like, a, you know, a bungee can't keep cats in. Well, exactly. It's the same sort of thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. So what did he say? Sorry. I will ask the ghost not to run along. Yeah, basically. He said, well, I expect what he said was something along the lines of, you know, very politely, well, I'll do my best. He may even have respectfully asked the ghost to calm it down a notch whilst running up and down the back gardens. See, Bill was very careful to show the ghost great respect in a sort of live and let dead sort of a way. He does not want to, he did not want to anger the ghost. You see, he has banned the use of Ouija boards in the house, for example. So why would that be about respect? Why would he do that? Why is that showing respect by banning Ouija boards? Because Ouija boards are just seen as a form of communication, aren't they? Uh, depends who you talk to, because a lot of people go, danger, danger, danger. Don't ever touch an Ouija board, because you, well, if you, partic particularly if you're not sure what, what's going on. Yes. Because you, um, from their perspective, they, they believe that you leave the portal or the door open 
for lots of things to come flooding through. But you're saying that he respected the ghost. Yes, so he was not wanting people to antagonise it uh, by any... Because, you know, some of these these haunted programmes go around and go, come on, is that all you've got? Show us what you can do. Oh, that's most haunted, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Most of them are a bit like that. Oh, okay. I haven't watched a lot of them. Yeah. They're all... Yeah, so... um, A bit shouty. Well, most haunted can be, can't it? It yeah. can. So that was very much... He it was. He didn't want to in, antagonise the ghost because he was having lots of people come in to visit the ghost, if you will. Yes, exactly. So he was trying to be respectful. In a, it's all a bit, you know, kind of a weird way of thinking about it. Yeah. Well, no, I don't think it's weird to respect the ghost. I don't think that's weird. It's just that it's why that would lead to him banning Ouija boards. Is I don't see the correlation between those two things. I, but I can see what you're saying, that he didn't think that... That Ouija boards were the right thing to use. No, he didn't like the idea of that. He found that disrespectful. Yeah, so no, he banned I, them. No, okay, and didn't want, and didn't feel like he wanted to have any more stuff coming through a portal or an open door oh, no, people well, who don't yes, know what they're doing. No, well, exactly. Yes, I can. Especially yeah. yeah, because I think there's a there are some speculations as to exact that's exactly what's happened and why the house gets so much activity at times. Oh, it's because people open it up almost. Yeah, or that it's it, it is indeed you know pretty much a portal in itself. Right. But uh, I'd have to look into that in more depth. Okay. So, where was I? Um, so, what things happened to build them? Oh, yes. So, well, at one time, he was preparing the house with his team for a paranormal research group who were coming that evening. He went to the kitchen to wash up some mugs and plates left by previous visitors. Oh, that's not good form. You should always leave the place clean the time. You should leave it more beautiful than when you arrived. Yes, I thought that. That was not good at all. That, no. uh, you can, you know, if you go and stay there, make sure you sort of tidy Tidy up when you leave. Anyway, he was washing and drying. As you go along. It's always not my idea, mm. but you know. I'm quite happy to sort of do it in a more batch-like process. No, I don't. Oh, well. Yeah. Anyway, he was washing and drying away when he had the profound sense that someone was in the room with him. He turned slowly, expecting to see the black monk. But there was, thankfully, no one there. Suddenly, a small object appeared in front of him in midair and came flying through the air towards his head. And just as he thought it was about to hit him, the object veered off, missing him by a whisker, pinging off the window onto the kitchen floor. Oh my goodness, it materialised in midair. He didn't imagine it. It just something, he just saw it, he actually saw it kind of come into being. Actually saw it (gasps) materialise. And it, it, he could pick it up. He picked up the offending item. It was a domino. And over the next two hours, there were more objects materialising and flinging their way towards him, changing course at the last moment. And this actually apparently is quite a, a, a well-known poltergeist phenomena. You know, mat- uh, materialisation and... Materialising of little objects and then basically veering off at the last moment. Oh, gosh. So uh, it's sort of, it's very much something that, uh, you know, is a classic poltergeist thing to do. They were so close that he could actually feel the wind that it made as it passed. That's really close. Later that afternoon, when Bill and the team were chatting in the lounge, there was a noise from the kitchen. One of the team went to investigate and found her granddaughter had wandered in through the front door looking for her grandmother. She was biting into a polystyrene orange, normally kept in the kitchen as a trigger object. You know, you know trigger objects? No, what's a trigger? So trigger objects are things that they keep, uh, or you know, res- uh, research groups take with them, uh, or in this case, they're actually in the house for people to use, to sort of place, and you can oh. put sort of um, flour or something around them oh, right. and see if they move. And you oh, put right. people with a camera on them and see if they move, and, uh, and they may- maybe ask ask the the ghost or the spirit or whatever to move that particular object 
and they had quite a few trigger objects, toys and sort of some uh, such like, and balls and things. Uh, and this was one of them, this fake orange. Don't bite into that, said the child's grandmother, taking the fake fruit out of the child's mouth. It's not real. Where did you get it from? And she said, the man in black gave it to me, Nana. Oh dear. So Bill was properly convinced by that stage, is that right? He was indeed. And now he rents the house out, as I mentioned. And there were two famous paranormal research groups that uh, did vigils in the house. One was Most Haunted, which we'll come back to, and the other was Paranormal Lockdown. Have I seen the Most Haunted one? Have I seen the Most Haunted one? I don't think either of us have, actually. I mean, I've seen Most Haunted at the actual programme. Would you remember, we were obsessed with Most Haunted at one point. To begin with, we were. Because it was like the first, wasn't it? as, As far as I was aware, it was like... Yeah. Yes, I think it was the the trendsetter, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah. Okay. I've not seen Paranormal Lockdown. Have I seen? I haven't seen. Paranormal. You haven't seen. No. Paranormal Lockdown, okay. No. Well, so what's that like? So I've seen a couple of those. Well, they they normally spend a lot longer at the venue. So most haunted spends twenty four hours. Yes. Um, a Paranormal Lockdown spends seventy two hours. Oh wow. Um, rather than twenty four hours. Um, from what I've seen, my focus is much more on the hosts, Nick Groff and Katrina Feldman. Uh, whereas Most Haunted is much more of a team affair. They've got a vet fielding, her husband, Carl Beatty. They're the sort of hosts. Uh, they've got a sceptic, a psychic. Uh, kind, of a, kind of almost professional sceptics, don't they? Yes. And a paranormal, I can't remember what they're called, but they're... It's like a parapsychologist, par- yes, isn't it? Parapsych- Kieran O'Keefe, yes, is it? Yes, Dr. Kieran O'Keefe. Sorry, yes, Dr. Yes. Kieran O'Keefe. Yeah, yes, parapsychologists, yes. No, they're, they're good, aren't they? Yeah, so... Um, Do you remember the first one that they did? They just, it was any old chap off the street, wasn't it? Yeah, and they kind um, of said, it was, wasn't it? It literally was any old chap off yeah. the street. And, and indeed, their, their team even uh, includes the soundman, the cameraman, the makeup person. Oh, I love her as well. Yes, indeed. Yeah. So uh, so what happened when when they visited? When Paranormal, Paranormal Lockdown. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was a Halloween special. So there they normally do 72 hours. For this one, they did 100 hours. Ooh. That's right. Um, they had previously been investigating a uh, property in the US called Hinsdale House and something seemed to follow Nick home. Oh dear. So to try and understand what or who it was, Nick set up a portal wonder box. I I, I beg your pardon, a portal... That's right, a portal wonder box. It's a portable radio sort of thing that allows spirits to speak from the beyond. How? Well, the spirits tune into the frequencies released by the wonder box and... Uh, you don't know, do you? I have not a clue, no. no. Suffice to say that it just does. Right. And Nick hears the words, demon, and I'm inhuman, and, weirdly, pontifract. Is that your demon voice? <laughs> <laughs> Demon. <laughs> it is your demon voice. Well, isn't it seems it? better than demon. <laughs> wouldn't that be the best though? If the demon. Like, I'm a demon. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't take it seriously, would you? I don't know. No, well, I'm wouldn't. a demon. <laughs> You're not taking that seriously. I so wanted to be that. <laughs> rather than do your demon voice. Demon. Oh, well, you're not taking that seriously either. But the weird thing was that he'd send Pontifract. Yeah, no, that is weird. Is there not a Pontifract in America? Oh, probably. And that was when Nick was in America? Yes, that's when uh, he was actually in America and he was thinking, well, maybe we ought to go to this um, 30 East Drive place. So they made plans to visit. So as Nick and Katrina approach 30 East Drive, Nick tells his audience that, and I'm not going to do the American accent, my whole career has led up to this. 
And it wasn't like he'd been working as an apprentice carpenter looking for his house for a house to flip. He'd been doing paranormal research shows since 2004, starting with Ghost Adventures. Uh, he also did one or two film projects that he wrote and directed, plus a spot on American Ninja Warrior before starting Paranormal Lockdown, which premiered in 2016. Wow. So you're saying that he, he really thought this was a big deal. He thought this was kind of... Absolutely. Like the legit place to go. Yeah, completely. And he was, he'd been an American Ninja Warrior. Yes. How amazing is that? That's, that's, it is, isn't it? That is, because they are. Yeah. Just amazing. I love those people that when they start and they do like one thing and then fall in yeah. the water. Yeah, that would be me. Yeah. Oh, no, I wouldn't get on it. <laughs> is it can you pull yourself off? I go, no, I can't do that's that. That's a good point. I probably wouldn't even get on the on the, the, the bit where they have to then jump off from. Well, no, they'll Unless say, they had stairs. They'll say, they'll say, right, here you are in the pool. Can you lift yourself out? I go, no, I can't lift myself <laughs> Someone out. would have to get yeah. me out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's true. That's, I wouldn't be Where able to steps? do that. <laughs> That's right. What do you mean you can't lift yourself out? No. No, <laughs> no I'm stuck in here now. Just grab onto that rope thing there. Yeah, no, exactly. I can't. Oh, I can't do that. <laughs> no good at ropes. <clears throat> oh, dear. Anyway, they met the neighbour, Carol, who steadied their nerves by telling them, and I quote, it's a demon. It's not nice. It growls. And when it growls, you run. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and there's that word demon again. Yeah. Demon. Carol then locked them in the house and chained the door. Because that was one of her things oh. that she did. Because when they locked them in the house, they proper locked them in the house. Well, they literally locked them in the house? Yeah, oh, no. they would actually have to call her if they go, we've had enough, we've had enough, we want to go out. They'd have to call her so she would properly unlock. Because they what don't have the keys not, to get to get out. Why did she nip down to the shops? It was on the loo. Yeah. Give me a moment, love. <laughs> <laughs> they would they'd have to, to wait a bit longer <gasps> no oh no yeah. so, oh, no I'm not going well because you wouldn't have the chance to go well, I'm not going anyway like well, but you, I wouldn't have that but you'd have to be kind of released uh, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't no have, hmm. no Ooh, so anyway, no. they spend the next 100 hours in the house. Oh, gosh. Several things occur. There's the usual thumping, etc. Sulfur smells. There are balls rolling, those trigger things that I was talking right. about. Uh, doors opening by themselves. So, uh, you know, doors opening, not a big deal, I guess. Um, they think they see dark shapes, black blobs that dart across the carpet, which is a bit strange. Yes. Yet again, though... It's the coal house that provides the nasties. Nick Groff enters the coal house and is out again in seconds, claiming to have been stabbed in the leg. And sure enough, there is a long vertical mark down his leg. Nick is quoted in an interview with Haunted Magazine as saying that 30 East Drive was amazing and crazy intense. I like that, crazy intense. That's great, isn't yeah. it? Katrina, also in an interview from the, from the Haunted Magazine, it's a great magazine, by the way, if you're into your, your ghosties and what have you. Haunted Magazine. Haunted Magazine, yeah. Is it available online? It is. That's where I've been reading it anyway. Yeah. It's about 99p, uh, um, and, uh, uh, you know, a, uh, an edition. Oh, that's very good. Yeah, yeah, it's all right. You can be a subscriber, of course, but you, we can just pick and choose. So Katrina Weldman, when asked if there was a standout scary moment from her work in the paranormal field. Yes. And she too has been doing paranormal for years and years and years and years. Right. So she said, and I quote, There are so many, but really the one that shook me the most was at 30 East Drive. I felt this intense burning in my stomach. I knew what that meant after years of interviewing witnesses to the supernatural. 
I lifted up my two shirts that I was wearing. She's a girl that's prepared. <laughs> yes. And sure enough, there were two fresh scratches on my stomach. Oh dear. It felt like my entire foundation had been taken away from me. It scared me. And it scared me and was the only time I wanted to cry due to the activity that had occurred. I think about that a night a lot. Whether you believe in ghosts or you think it's bogus, something is manifesting physically at 30 East Drive. Crikey, it really affected her, didn't it? It certainly did. Now, if you ever decide to pay up and stay at 30 East Drive, a no. word... Well, a word to the wise. I know you're not going to, but no, any listener... Don't invite me. But any listener, if you decide to you fancy a, fancy a go, don't take any souvenirs. What? Yes. So, so, so some people who stayed there had sort of gone, oh, I'll take this ashtray or I'll oh, take what, this what, what, or a cup. Yeah. One, yeah, or a trigger object. So the neighbour has had several people uh, beg her to return the things that they took because it's caused them all sorts of problems in their life because something follows them home with Ooh. the souvenir that they take. So when did the most haunted go there? I'd actually like to try and see if we could see it. Yeah, I'm sure there's probably a, a YouTube blogger. Yeah. yeah. So when did they go? So they uh, went to the house in 2015. Oh, so actually quite a long down way down there. Yeah. Production. Yeah, because they started they were... what 2003, I think. Gosh, really? Mm -hmm. mm, okay. So so yeah, actually, do you know how do you know how most haunted started? Uh, didn't Yvette have a spooky encounter of her own or something? Yes, that's that's right. So they'd bought a house which Yvette absolutely loved. It was just the thing she'd been looking for. However, Carl didn't like the feeling in there. He didn't like the house. There was just something about the way it felt. Anyway, one night Carl was working away and Yvette had retired for the night. She'd made sure her young child was sleeping safely and went to bed. And after a few moments, she heard the safety gate at the top of the stairs fling open and upon investigating, found that it was indeed open. Now, you and I... And anyone with a young child or a dog knows that those gates do not open willy-nilly once they're shut. Well, no, they're a nightmare to try and open, aren't they? Unless you know the knack. <laughs> yes. There's always a knack to them. That's you, ne right. you never can open it first time, can you? No. 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 Anyway, well, this one had opened on its own. Ooh. Another time, again, when Carl was away, she was awakened in the night. She turned over to be met by the face of a wizened old woman right next to her. Well, as you can imagine, this was a tad jarring for Yvette, who called Carl in hysterics and requested his presence forthwith. They later found out that there had been a man, lady and child who lived there many, many years previously. The man was not a good chap and was violent, hence her hatred of men and male presences, which Carl must have picked up on. Anyway, following that experience, they wanted to investigate and came up with a formula for most haunted which, uh, as you were saying earlier, has now been sort of copied many times over. Because when they... D I remember hearing about... Or I must have seen an interview with her at some point, and she was saying that it was her, Carl, and her cousin, who is always in the show. Oh, yes, the, the sound man. Yes. What's he called? Uh, can't remember. Him? Yeah. The three of them. It was the three of them in the lounge talking about it and yeah. and one of and then it was like her who said do you know it would be really good that's what we should do and that's why he's involved ah, because he okay. was actually sat in the room when they decided it so everybody thinks it's Yvette and Carl but it was actually him as well oh I didn't know that yeah uh, okay well that's good to know yeah thank you anyway Back to 30 East Drives. So before they got down to the proper investigation, while they were doing the initial sequences for the top of the show, Yvette 
breaks her monologue to the camera and shouts excitingly, Did you bleep bleep see that? Why? What happened? Well, Yvette said that she saw a bright blue marble emerge from the wall and fly across the room towards Carl, her husband. Indeed, Carl called Bill Bungie immediately after this and said, What is this place? We haven't even unloaded the van and it's all happening. I think the most chilling thing that they discovered was a knife sticking out of the sofa. Oh, my word. And in fact, there's a, there's a, if you go to uh, 30eastdrive.com, they've got lots and lots of pictures of the people who have uh, been and stayed there and so on. And and, uh, and one is of this where there's this knife sticking out of the sofa, which, which, to be honest, looks a bit staged. Yeah, it probably was afterwards, wasn't yeah. it? If you've ever watched their first few series, which we did, they were glad to get an orb or two, weren't they? Well, yes, I remember thinking it, because that was it, wasn't it? That they'd come away and go, we've seen lots of activity. Yeah. And you think, well, you haven't. That seems sort of dust floating across the camera. Exactly. Yeah. You know, or an orb. A lot of them go, ah, oh, wow, oh, <laughs> wasn't it? It was. Because they always do that clips, and it's always, you know, you know the beginning of it, they go... Yeah. And it's always, ah, oh, woo, ah, oh, yes. crash. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, a lot of people say that it's not dust because dust does something different. And it moves differently, doesn't yeah. it? I and mean, some of them do seem to, I yeah. mean, yeah. It does. It's not all dust. 30 East Drive was their fantasy haunted house. And indeed, having investigated hundreds of haunted houses by 2015, they declared 30 East Drive the home of the Black Monk as the most haunted house in Britain. They found that night so intensely frightening that, and I quote, none of us would ever be the same again. So that ends another spooky tale. It's a good one, eh? Amazing. I think none of us are ever going to be the same again after hearing about all of that. And once again, thanks to Darren for introducing it to us. I can't believe we didn't know about it. Yes, thank you, Darren. Much appreciated. And also, indeed, a big thanks to all the excellent books and articles and to television programmes that provided the research. As I was mentioning earlier, Colin Wilson's Poltergeist. There's The Black Monk of Pontefract by Richard Estep and Bill Bungay. There is Don't Look Back in Anger by Andy Evans. There are articles from the 14 Times magazine and the Haunted magazine. Uh, and a television programme called Celebrity Ghost Stories. So I'll put the links in the show notes. So we hope you've enjoyed this spooky tale and we look forward to joining you again next time. Please do tell us your spooky tales either in the YouTube comments or via email, which is thespookytalespodcast at gmail.com. And come and follow us on Instagram at the Spooky Tales Podcast. Yes, indeed. It's been fabulous to meet so many new people on Instagram. So thank you very much indeed for following. Also, why not visit us on our Facebook page at Spooky Tales? So thanks again. And until next time, bye. Bye. bye.